Welcome to Fountain Springs Online. At Fountain Springs, we believe in showing unconditional love, irrational generosity, and being unwavering in our mission to show people who Jesus is. We are one church in multiple locations that exists to help grow and guide your relationship with Jesus. We are so glad you've joined us today, and we hope that we can encourage, challenge, and support you in your walk with Jesus. Feel free to join us this coming weekend at any of our locations and services, or call or email us so we can help you in any way. We are so glad that you've joined us today at Fountain Springs Online. Now let's turn our attention to this week's message. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Pastor Todd, and we are in week two of Stranger Things. We'll be talking about heaven, so I want to welcome all of our locations, everyone listening in on this conversation, because I think this series is getting at some of the most important conversations we should ever have, but sometimes it's hard to have them. And so our whole hope with this series is that you walk out of here going, I need to hear that. I need to process that. Because especially in a conversation about heaven, you start hearing things like streets of gold. You start hearing things like there will be no pain, no weeping. And then you hear like, well, we may be angels just hanging out in the clouds. And some of you are like, that sounds boring. I mean, it sounds kind of cool, but it, is that all we're going to do? Um, and so there's so many questions that start to kind of surround this conversation. And <laughs> we've had so many books, we've had so many movies that try to help explain heaven. Uh, if you've seen... Uh, or heard the book, Heaven is for Real, 90 Minutes in Heaven. And so I look at this as there are so many different beliefs. There are so many different ideas about heaven, but my hope today is that you walk out of here with more clarity, but also understand how important this conversation is. Because here's what I know, as a pastor, this conversation comes up every time someone is getting close to dying. That's when it becomes real. And they may have thought, man, I, I'm a Christian, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. And then <laughs> death starts staring them in the face, and they start doubting. They start having this fear of death. And I think it will happen to all of us. Even if we believe with all of our hearts that heaven is real, there will come that point where death will stare us in the face and we'll go, I hope it is. And so I think this conversation, here what it, here's what it does. Increasing our understanding of heaven decreases our fear of death. The more understanding we have about heaven, I truly believe we will get a bigger understanding of who God is, and I think our faith will grow, which then this fear starts to diminish as much. 
So it's not, it will go away, but it will start to decrease. And so here's what I want to do. I want to wrestle with some assumptions that we have about heaven. Because if we don't deal with the assumptions, then I think the truth can sometimes get muddy. So here's the first assumption that we make about heaven. Heaven only matters at the end. Only matters when you get close to the end of your life. That's when the conversation should happen. I I disagree with this. I think heaven has some implications now. It is affecting how you live your life. What you believe about heaven impacts today. And so, um, here's what I want you to kind of think through. Here's a question I would throw at you. If I were to ask you right now, right now, hey, God has made a way we can all go to heaven right now. How many of you would get up and join me? Now, that's not going to happen. Trust me. It's not like some Kool-Aid message is going to happen right here, okay? But I'm just curious, all right? If we could all go to heaven right now, and God said, here we go, would you go? Would you be like, all right, let's do this. Let's make this happen. Or I think like most of us, even including myself, I'd be like, could we wait just a little bit? I've got some things I'd really like to wrap up here before I go to heaven. And hear me, I think that's a reasonable thought. I think there's even some merit to it to where God would say, yes, I've called you here on earth. There's things that you need to do here. But if God were tomorrow say, it's over, we're all going to heaven, how would we feel? Would we be excited about it or would we be sad? I think the danger is is we think it only matters at the end. No, I think it matters right now. And see, God even addressed this a little bit. Look at this verse. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. Making the point is like, recognize heaven is going to be amazing. It's going to be so good. So don't get wrapped up that you're going to miss something if heaven were to happen tomorrow. See, I think these conversations need to be happening on a regular basis. So that way we can begin to, okay, God, how do we live this out now knowing that there is heaven coming? What do I do here on earth? So that's the first assumption, that we sometimes think heaven, this conversation can wait till the end. And I think some of the reason why, it's from the second assumption. Look at this. We kind of assume most people are going to heaven. We kind of think, well, if people are good, most likely God will let them in. It was an interesting survey I found that for every one person that thinks they're going to hell, there's 120 people thinking, I'm going to heaven. The odds of people thinking they're going to heaven are way up compared to those going to hell, which makes sense because most of us believe down in our heart that we're just good people. Well, here's what Jesus said about this. You can enter God's heaven only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow, and the road is difficult, and only a few ever find it. This is a pretty powerful verse in regards to that assumption. If we think most people are going to heaven, well, Jesus goes, okay, well, there's a narrow path that I've created for you. And the question is, is will you find it? And you may think, well, that stinks. That, why, why did God create it that way? I've got to go back to last week's conversation when we talked about good and evil. 
because Satan's whole goal is to distract us. And so he's made, I kind of look at it, this massive highway that has all these on-ramps to get on that is going a different direction from where God and Jesus is trying to take us. And so Satan's whole goal is like, if I can just get them to focus on this big path, they'll never know that the true path is over here. See, Satan is the one distracting us all, and it makes it hard sometimes to know, okay, is this truly the only path? And Jesus is saying, yes, it is. So once we deal with those assumptions, then we can start dealing with, okay, what is the reality of heaven? What is it going to be like? What are we going to experience? Now hear me, I'm gonna give you as much as I can in regards to what I've studied, what I've seen, and, and what scripture says, and I think God gives us a glimpse of heaven, but understand there's also scripture in the Bible that says we will never fully understand it. We cannot compre comprehend it while we are here on earth. But I think God gives us enough just to be able to begin this understanding of what heaven will be like. So. Here's the first thing you need to know about heaven. God will establish a new heaven and a new earth. Not just a new heaven, there's a new earth that's going to happen. I think that is critical to understand. I think most of us are going, oh, it's just gonna be heaven. No, there's a whole new dynamic. God is starting over. Heaven is getting redone, earth is getting redone, and the old is going away. Uh, it says this in Revelation. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared. God is going to create these two dwelling places to where one is going to be for humanity, one is going to be up in the heavens where his angels and him exist as well, and it's going to be new, and there's going to be some new pieces to it. So here's where we begin, and I'm going to walk through these really quickly, what we're going to experience, what it's going to be like. So look at this first one. We won't miss our old lives. I know for me, I thought about that. I was like, man, what if I go to heaven and remember everything I ever had here, and I miss it? Well, look at this scripture. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, and no one will ever think or even think about the old ones anymore. God's saying that. And so, to me, it's like, okay, like, this won't even be on my brain, that when I'm in heaven, I won't even think about the old earth. The only thing I can compare this to that I would be like, okay, to help maybe you understand it. How many of you, and this is going to be such a random question, but be ready. How many of you have thought about baby food recently? No one. Like for dinner, you're like, you know what sounds good? Baby food today. That's what I want. You're all adults. I hope that's not what you're choosing to eat, right? And so I look at this in kind of the same mindset. Is once we get past baby food and get into real food, that mindset leaves. There's nothing going, you know what, I want all of this mashed up in some kind of liquid form that I can just eat right now. No one wants that. And so we look at this and go, yeah, that makes sense. We don't want that anymore. But I go, what if heaven and this new earth are going to be exactly the same thing where we don't even think about it? Because what we have is so good and so amazing. Here's the next one. We, release, we will receive a new immortal body. This means we won't be angels. I know there's kind of that mindset out there. It's like, oh, we'll just turn into angels when we die. Well, no, like, we'll actually get another body. 
look at this in 1 Corinthians 4. Our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. That sounds awesome. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Can, can we just take a moment and let that sink in? For those of you struggling with getting old right now, hmm, right? For those of you who are in sports like myself who love playing still basketball and I'm even on flag football team right now, I hate that I'm getting slower. Every year that goes by, it's just slower and slower. And things start to hurt longer than they should. And so there's this idea, I mean, I mean, just process this. You don't have to worry about old age setting in, your mind losing it, your muscles not being able to do what it used to do. God's giving you, God's saying, I'm going to give you a body that is perfect. Not in our mindset, hear me. But God's going to go, I'm going to create this body that will last forever. And I don't think we can even fathom that. Because all we know is a body that we have now that's falling apart every year that goes by. And so this is a powerful piece to think about. Here's the next part. We will still experience emotions. If you were wondering, okay, does my brain get wiped? Do I just forget about everything that happened? Um, do I still get to kind of feel the things that I felt here on earth? The answer is yes. And here's why I can say that God has emotions. He's had emotions. He created emotions. So why would all of a sudden he eliminate that when it comes to this heaven and new earth? So look at this scripture. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. This is an emotional person. It's an emotional God. And so we will be able to experience the emotions that we all love here on earth. Think about experiencing joy and peace and love and thankfulness. I mean, fill in the blank of whatever you're wanting to experience emotionally, and God's going, yes, we will have that because I'm an emotional God. But take out all the negative emotions because that won't exist anymore. Powerful. Next one. We won't be bored. Let me just say that like three times. We won't be bored. We won't be bored. Like this, to me, needs to be said over and over and over again because I've had conversations with so many people who just go, yeah, heaven. Um, I've heard it's going to be a lot of singing. I don't sing. <clears throat> and on top of that, I don't really like listening to singing. And for eternity, uh, I'm out. Like, it's like you just process that, and you kind of go, this sounds awful. And so we, whatever ideas we have, or even you're like, it seems like we're just going to float on some clouds, and then they're going to ring a bell, and we got to sing. And it's like, all right, time to sing. <sighs> the same song we did last time, you know. Yeah, like, you're sitting there going, like, is that what heaven is going to be? No. Uh, Look at this in the psalm. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. So either this is true and God knows what he's doing and maybe our perception is off. 
Because I would also just think through this. If God made the earth and all the good things that we experience here, I mean, think about that. We, we are able to enjoy our jobs. If we've had a good job, we're like, man, I love what I get to do. We enjoy being able to raise kids. We enjoy being able to do the things that we do here. Now, will they all be the same? I don't know, but to say that God will not create a similar place that's even better because he created this, I think we're kind of lacking the creativity that God has. Because I think he can create so much better. We are just right now in a fallen world. You give him the freedom to be like, let's create paradise. Because that's where I wanted to start. I started it there, but then it became a fallen world. Let me create this again, and you will see how amazing it is. That's why I say we won't be bored. I mean, just for a moment, just think about some of these things. Being able to rest without being bored. Getting true rest. Think about having community without fear. Think about being able to serve others without exhaustion. Think about being able to learn constantly without fatigue. He's going, that's, that's why you won't be bored. The things that you love, are going to pursue. I mean, if there's a new earth, it sounds like to me, we're gonna probably be working it and making it run. And God's going to say, help me. Then the last part. We still won't know everything. Now you may be like, well, that's disappointing. Eh. Hold on. First uh, Peter 1.12 says this, it is all so wonderful that even the angels are eagerly watching these things happen. Now I point this out because even right now, up in heaven, there are angels watching what is happening here on earth, eagerly waiting to find out what's going to happen. There's this anticipation. I don't know about you, but I love when there is a good show, good movie. I would recommend watching Stranger Things if you're looking for something good. That kind of is building this anticipation. You're like, man, I want to see how this ends. I want to see how this plays out. And I think when we get to heaven, will we understand a lot more? Absolutely, but there will still be parts that we will go, I don't know everything, though. God will still have this mysterious side to him, which I think we will find intriguing, and it will draw us towards him. And so you see these things now that you kind of begin to walk out. It's like, heaven is sounding a lot better now. I'm hoping that is what's processing in your brain, but I'm not done. Look at this next part. God will do away, and this is the one we talk about a lot. God will do away with death, sorrow, and pain. And this isn't my words. This comes from the Bible. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Now, we hear verses like this, and I think some of us, if we're honest, are a little skeptical because it sounds fairy tale ish sounds like Neverland. It's like, can this really exist? Because reality for us, all we know is pain. All we know is being able to like, oh, today has been horrible, but I got to pick myself back up and walk through it. 
Today wasn't perfect, and that frustrates me. And so all we know is dealing with people who are someday going to die that I love. And then on top of that, there's just frustrations with life. Work is not going the way I want it. Family is not going the way I want it. I've messed some things up, and there's sorrow, and there's pain in the midst of that, but that's, I mean, you, you understand that. So to imagine a world where that doesn't exist is amazing, but it's hard to fathom. It's hard to wrap our minds around, but there's a part of us that goes, man, that sounds so good, and I agree with you. It will be. The ability to solve all of our world's problems, the ability to work in harmony and with peace and to truly love each other, regardless of what we look like, regardless of who we are. There's a place that exists like that, and God is describing it to us. And then the last part about heaven and I believe this will be the most important part, that God will dwell with us. And for me personally, this is my favorite part. Now, this is not just me saying it. There's, here's the scripture. God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. So I don't know how it will work, but we talked about earlier, new heaven, new earth, there will be this ability where God will be able to walk and talk and be with us. Now, I, the best way I could describe it is think back to paradise. We talked about that there were four individuals in paradise. Satan, Adam, Eve, God. God was there. God was walking with them, having conversations with them before the fall happened. And so for me, I read these, this verse over and over and over again because I'm trying to picture that day when I will be able to see God face to face and how miraculous that will be. Be able to have conversations right there with him. Conversations with Jesus. Conversations with the Father who created all this. Conversations with the Holy Spirit who has comforted me in this in this earth. All three of them being able to be there and, and talk through so many things. Think about the conversations you can have. It will be crazy. And so to me, that's the best part because now we move from this being a long-distance relationship with God. I mean, in reality, that's what it feels like. We sense his presence here or there on earth, and that is powerful, and that is great, but it will be completely different when we're able to see him face to face. And I think all of us understand that. If you've ever been in a long-distance relationship, hey, talking on the phone is great. Being able to Skype with somebody, that's great. But when you have them in your presence, when you can be with them, it changes the ball game. That's why God has there's going to be a time where we get to be with him, walk with him, ask him all the questions you could ever think about. Like, God, why mosquitoes? Like, really, why? <laughs> like, what, what happened there? And he'll probably, it's because of the fall. Like, that's what Satan did it. You know, I, I, 
You could ask him so many things about life because that's what he wants. I mean, in the scriptures, before the fall happened, he was just walking with Adam and Eve, having conversations every day. That's what we'll experience in heaven. So my hope by this point is that you start wrestling with this truth and it, it kind of connects with you. The best part of heaven will be experiencing God's true presence. And are you excited about that? Are you anticipating that? Does this even change how you view life right now? You want everyone to experience this. So that means my life here now has purpose. Not only do I want to experience this myself, I want everyone around me to know that this is possible. Because understanding this is, I think, the biggest part of it. But we've gotten to a spot now where we're going, okay, heaven sounds good. Todd, you've got me. This sounds amazing. How do I get there? And we kind of enter into this conversation because we, we have a little grasp of what it may feel like. We have a little grasp of what we may experience. But now the question becomes, okay, how do, we, how do I get there? How do I get to heaven? And so here's one thing I, I, I think we need to wrestle with because it's, we've all done it. We've been tempted to do it. And the first thing is this, you cannot earn God's gift of heaven. You can't earn this gift. And I remind you, it's a gift. It's not something that you do. If you, I think some of us have been taught in church maybe, or maybe we just assumed it. It's like, okay, God put all these rules in place. If I follow all of his rules, then I'm good enough to be in heaven. And the reality is, is we, we cannot earn it. It's not something about being good enough. Uh, God explained this. Uh, look at this. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. Hit that mark. It's a gift from God, and it's not something that we can earn. Now, if, if some of you are kind of processing things, you may be going, okay, then why did God create all the laws? What are they there for? If we can't earn it, then why in the world would he put a structure in place that would say, here are these laws, follow them? Our brain goes, well, if we follow them, what do we get? And we go, okay, it must be heaven. No, see, the purpose of the law is actually very different. The purpose of the law is to show our need for our Savior. In, in Romans, it explains it this way. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. This verse, this point, here's what it is describing. I would say God is like here. Let's say he's on this line. We're here. And we'll never be able to bounce up there on our own. We can't earn our way to being in the same exact line with God. See, what the law does is it points out, see, you can't do it because you're a sinner. And most of us don't like hearing that. We go, no, 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 I, no, I'm a, I'm a good person. No, that, that's what will get me in the heaven. I followed most of God's law, and God's going, no, 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 you're a sinner, and you need a Savior. And I, I know for myself, this whole idea of like earning our way to heaven, it's just how we work in this world. 
so many things are merit-based. What have you done for me lately? I remember growing up in elementary school, this was a big deal to me, and if you make fun of me, well, that's, that's not nice. Um, because I was all about having perfect attendance. All right, I know you just judged me. All right, fine, that's totally fine. But here's why I wanted perfect attendance. Because at the end of the year, if you had perfect attendance, you would get two Royals, Kansas City Royals tickets to the game. And I went, yeah, I'll show up to school every day. And on top of that, you gotta walk the field. It was a great incentive, by the way. The school was very smart on this. And I worked my butt off to make sure. Even when those days were out of sick, I was like, Mom, I'm doing it. Doesn't matter. This is happening right now. I will make it to school. And I remember some of those years being able to do it and walk on the field. It was such a big deal. And so all my life, especially back then, it was, okay, I did this, I earned this. I did this, I earned this. That is how our world works. Success is based on what have you done. Trophies are given out to those who win, not lose. So we have a world that's based on that, and then we try to take that into our conversation with God, and God's like, ah, that's not how it works here. You can't earn your way into heaven. The reality is, is you've got to own, I need a savior. It doesn't matter how good I am. The reality is I'm still a sinner. I've lied I've cheated, I've hurt people. We've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. And so that's why we gotta recognize we can't earn our way to heaven, but here's the good news. Being in heaven with God comes by faith in Christ alone. See, God recognized this. He said, let me be the one that saves you. Let me be the one that shows you how you can get to heaven. Because you can't get there on your own, but I will show you how. And so here's what Jesus said that is one of the most criticized, talked about verses, especially when you get into religion talk. John 14, 6, Jesus told them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. This is one of those moments where you either go, uh, Jesus is crazy or lying, or you think he's telling the truth. Because this is where we get into the conversation of going, okay, there's so many different beliefs out there. I mean, there, there's so many of, where it's reincarnation. If you study other religions, so many other religions are based on you doing something to earn God's way to heaven. All other religions are based on this. The way, if you please God, then you'll get into, God, into heaven. Jesus is the only one. Christianity is the only one that goes, no, no, no. I will make it available to you. I will take your sin that keeps you from heaven. I will carry it to the cross. I will die for you. And when I raise from that grave, I will have conquered sin. I will have conquered death for you. And all I ask is that you would believe this statement. That I am the way. That I am the truth. That I am the life. And you can't get to heaven except for this narrow path I've made for you that is through me. 
So if you want to know the gospel, the good news, it's pretty simple. Look at it. We sinned, Christ died, God forgave. So that we can be in eternity in heaven with him forever. This is the amazing news. This is what changes lives. To where you can make this decision right now, today, and say, I give my life to Christ because he died for me. He covered my sin. And you realize you start living eternity out right in that moment. Eternity starts right there. See, that's why I love the gospel. Because we can't fix it. And we have to own the fact that I'm not perfect. I'm a sinner who needs saving. And I'm so thankful Jesus is the one that's saving me. So, let me ask you this question. Do you believe Jesus is the only way? Do you believe it? Because I understand there's a lot of different beliefs out there. There's a lot of different mindsets. But what if Jesus is truly being the only way? What if what he said is true? And so your question may be like, okay, I want to. I want to start believing this. But it's hard. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around that. It's hard for me to believe that Jesus can only be the only way. There can only be one truth. In our world, it seems like there should be multiple. So if you're wanting that, if you're wanting to believe that, though, and you need help, let me give you two things that you need to do, two responses to help you begin to walk this journey of having a relationship with God and believing that he's the only way to heaven. First thing is repent. And when I say repent, this starts to deal with that me being a sinner part. Repent. It's a word that you maybe have heard in church, but we don't really use it too often in our normal conversations because it's not like you were going, you know what, I need to repent today. Or you need to repent today, which would be a very awkward conversation. Um, But Jesus talked about this. Uh, Look what he said in Matthew. Repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he connected it. If you want to experience the kingdom of heaven, you need to repent of your sins. So if you're wondering, what does repent mean? If the best way I could describe it is let's say you were living life and you were going down this path. You're saying, I'm doing it this way. This is what I want. I've got all these different uh, beliefs I could throw in here, but I'm going to make it what I want to make it. And you've been walking this path for so long. But then today, you hear the gospel And you're like, wait a minute, it's about Jesus? And all of a sudden, you do this 180 and go, all right, no, Jesus has my life now. I own the fact that I was messed up. I was a sinner when I was walking this way. My life was not perfect. My life was struggling. Or maybe it was good, but I still felt empty on the inside. There was something that needed to fulfill me. Or I was so scared about death. I was wondering what was going to happen, and so you're rocking this path, but then all of a sudden you hear this message, or you hear God speak to you, and you're like, wait, what if it's true? And you make the decision to change your life, 
And when you repent, there's no longer this, okay, God, you get like this portion, and then I'm going to keep kind of walking this way. No, you can't do that. You can't walk both ways. You've got to choose one. And so repentance is simply going, God, I give you my life. Show me how to live this. Show me how to be a parent, a friend, a coworker, a boss, a good employee. Show me how to love, to care, to forgive. Because if you try to go back and forth, it's going to get so muddy and confusing. God's got to have every aspect of your life. And so repentance is the beginning of that where you're saying, God, I give it all to you. You have everything. And that's why I say today could be the moment that changes your life forever. Because you said, God, I'm sorry, I repent, and I want to start walking this way. But then here's the other aspect of it. Let the gospel keep changing your life. I heard a pastor say this, and it has stuck with me, where he said, the gospel is the only thing that keeps changing your life. And I had to sit on that for a while, but as God kind of began to show me what this meant, it meant, Todd, if you're going to be a parent, you can't figure it out on your own. The gospel will show you how to do it. You can't figure out how to be a friend on your own. You can't figure out how to be a good employee on your own, how to be a good spouse on your own, how to even deal with yourself on your own. See, the gospel will show you how. The gospel will show you how to have a real relationship with God. And the best part is, God explained this in the Bible. Uh, Look what he says. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you began the good work within you. When you repented, that work started to happen. We'll continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That means God is constantly pushing and prodding and saying, let me show you which way to go on this. And so that's where I say the gospel. That's where it all started. Jesus giving his life for us and saying, I will show you how to live this way. Recently, this got to me because I had heard the pastor talk about this and he asked a question that wrecked me because he simply asked in this whole conversation about the gospel, he goes, when's the last time the gospel stirred your heart? When's the last time that good news of knowing what Jesus has done, when's the last time that stirred you? And he says, it should be happening on a regular basis. And I sat there feeling convicted, feeling guilty, because I don't know if I could describe when the last time was. And so I said, God, I need your help. I want to really start experiencing how the gospel can change my life. I want to know what that looks like. And so I get back, um, because we were on vacation when I was listening to this pastor, and I get back, and uh, staff devotions are happening, and Uh, the lady that was sharing, she started sharing a scripture that started bringing tears to my eyes. I sat there and I was like, this is embarrassing. Like, please stop. Like, please, everything about this needs to stop. It's trying to shove it down. But here, I'll, I'll show you what the scripture was. She was reading from Hosea 11, 10 through 11. For someday the people will follow me. 
I, the Lord, will roar like a lion. And when I roar, my people will return trembling from the west. Like a flock of birds, they will come from Egypt. Trembling like doves, they will return from Assyria, and I will bring them home again, says the Lord. Now some of you are like, what's the big deal? To me, I heard that, that my God will roar like a lion, and he's calling me home. That's powerful. That's a God I believe in. And that's because Jesus saved my life. And so I look at this, and there's going to be a day where he's going to call us all home, and we are going to get heaven. We are going to get to walk with him, experience life with him, and all I could do was this emotion was taking over me. Tears were on the verge of just running down my face. Because I went, that's the power of the God I believe in. That's the love of the God I believe in. And it was like the gospel in that moment was showing me how real God is. And I needed that. And so church, I want you to experience the same thing. I want you to know who God really is. And then that way, you will get so excited about heaven. And you will want everybody around you to know who he is. Because when you know God, that's what makes heaven so much better. You'll get to experience all those things with him. So here's what I want to do. I simply want to ask two questions. Do you believe heaven is real? Have you let it sink in or is it still just a fairy tale to you, hoping that it will happen at the end of your life? What if you started to recognize that eternity has started now? You being able to experience God has started now and it will only get better and better and better until heaven comes. But before you can even go, okay, is heaven real? Maybe you need to wrestle with this question. Do you believe Jesus is your savior? Have you owned the fact that you're a sinner and you need saving? And so here's what I wanna do. I simply want everyone, close your eyes, bow your heads. I want to give you some time right now. Simply respond. And so if you're wanting Jesus to be your Savior, I simply want you to pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm a sinner. And God, I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Through his death, through his resurrection, I can have a relationship with you. And God, I believe that. And God, may I learn to give my life over to you. May the gospel keep teaching me over and over again who I am and what I'm supposed to do. God, I give you control and I turn my life towards you. God, we pray this in your name, amen. And Lord, I pray for everyone who's listening to this conversation. God, as we process heaven, Lord, I pray that you would give just a, a realistic mindset now of recognizing that heaven is real. It is something that is present. It is maybe even starting right now for people. 
fact that when we give our lives over to you, eternity starts and there will be a day where we will be able to walk with you, talk with you. And so, Lord, may we have this anticipation. May we have this urgency of helping the people around us and letting the gospel show us who you really are. God, may we know you so that heaven will be even better. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in your name. Amen.